What we have witnessed was a total eclipse of the facts. Oh, I see what he did there. Very clever, Don Lemon. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. It ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in LA, people-powered radio, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California, up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In Washington, D.C. on 105.5 FM. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We are also heard streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Deprogrammed Radio, Detour Talk, and Radio Sputnik, amongst other fine affiliates far and wide across uh, planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, Coming up, we will head, yes, back to coal country, where our friend Bob Kincaid is now hopping mad. He's hopping mad a lot these days, Desi Doyen. Yes, yes, he is, uh, he for good is, reason. Yes, for good reason. <laughs> He's now uh, very uh, furious at what the Trump administration uh, has done, is trying to do, uh, to halt a study on the extraordinary dangers of mountaintop removal coal mining, which has just been devastating West Virginia and Kentucky's uh, Appalachian communities now for years Despite Donald Trump's claims that he loves coal mining, he loves coal miners, well, they are being killed. By the way, the coal industry is now mining coal, literally, literally by what they are doing out there. And it seems the Trump administration is working hard to make sure nobody finds out about it. So that is coming up momentarily. But speaking of the many lies of Donald Trump, you know, just... uh, a quick word or two here on on Trump's speech in uh, in Phoenix on Tuesday night. I don't want to waste a lot of airtime on it. We'll let CNN and and others do that. They aired it in full. But uh, I feel like it it needs uh, some comment and some context here. This was a campaign rally. It was paid for by his re-election campaign. Yes, he believes he's going to be re-elected in 2020. The we pay for all of the the travel and the Secret Service protection, et cetera, that goes with it. Right now, the Secret Service does not have enough money to make payroll beyond September due to the uh, Trump administration and their uh, his family's uh, travel all around the world. 
in any event, so we pay for that. And what we got uh, in Phoenix on Tuesday night was this untethered string of one lie after another lie after another lie, including claims that the media lies, that all of the live cameras were being cut off as he railed against them. Of course, this we know because they were not being turned off. They did not turn off the live cameras. So we wa- we all watched him. Uh, talk about CNN cutting him off even while watching on CNN. Which, as I said, gave this guy more than an hour of free airtime to spew these lies. So we won't make that same dumb mistake on this show today. Maybe we will tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, But in addition to lying, he also used uh, words to essentially promise that he would be pardoning Maricopa County's controversial Sheriff Joe Arpaio, who was found guilty in a court of law of contempt of court for failing to obey a court order to stop unlawfully hassling and arresting Hispanics in in Phoenix, which he has been doing for years. Trump lied about uh, the border and immigration. He lied about health care. He lied about what he said about Charlottesville by actually omitting what he actually said about it while railing against the media, falsely claiming that they had omitted what he had actually said about it. He lied about literally everything from top to bottom, everything that and he sort of went through pretty much everything that has happened during his presidency. Oh, and he threatened uh, to shut down the United States government entirely if his border wall with Mexico was not funded, funded by the taxpayers, by the way, not by Mexico, who he previously lied about, saying that they would pay for this wall. Uh, frankly, I would need a 10-hour show at this point to cover all the lies in his uh, hour-plus-long speech. And just that one speech. <laughs> uh, CNN, in fact, has an article up today headlined, Donald Trump's 57 most outrageous quotes from his Arizona speech. 57 quotes that were outrageous, the the most outrageous from his Arizona speech. I mean, it is so embarrassing for the U.S. It is so embarrassing for this country. Meanwhile, there were thousands who were protesting outside the venue. So Trump had to lie about that and say that there are there weren't many people protesting. There were thousands of them. Anyway, the rest of it, I'll let other people cover uh, the shameful, just shameful nonsense and BS coming from this crazy guy who somehow became president. But, you know, I need to say a word here about calling the president a liar. Yes, I am a journalist. I'm a a news guy. I'm also a commentator. But I, I consider myself first here a journalist. And I know it's somehow unseemly to call the president of the United States a liar. Uh, And a lot of journalists are afraid to do so. They won't do so. Oh, he misstated this or that. Uh, He didn't tell, you know, sometimes he didn't tell the truth. But the fact is, if you are a journalist, the job of a journalist is to uh, inform the electorate, to tell the electorate what is going on. And um, this is not an opinion that Donald Trump told lie after lie after lie. Uh, It is a verifiable fact. And each and every one of these lies, you know, you could say sometimes, uh, you know, a politician makes a statement that they believe to be true. 
but that is actually not. But they don't know that. So does that mean they're a liar? Um, maybe not. So I understand in those cases where journalists don't want to call someone a liar. In this case, it was case after case, lie after lie after lie being told by the president of the United States, who was given airtime uh, on all the cable networks, at least, uh, to tell these untethered, unhinged lies. And while he may believe some of them are, are true, it is impossible to believe that uh, he, he does not know that he is lying about the bulk of these things that he was repeating. And any journalist, yes, straight journalist, whether it's the New York Times, whether it's ABC News, whether it's Fox News, whether it's Associated Press, anyone who does not call him out for being a liar is not doing the job of a journalist. A straight news journalist should call this guy out for lying. I mean, yes, it is shameful. It is embarrassing. That's my opinion. I'm sure there are some people, clearly people in the uh, arena and in Phoenix, who are very proud of this guy, who are not embarrassed about him at all for whatever reason. That's fine. That's up to them. But if you're going to be a journalist and if you're going to explain what it is, what what has happened today, what the president of the United States did today, you must say that the president lied, that the president is a liar. And I don't know how else to report it. So to that end, so yeah, you know, I don't like saying that. I really don't. And I try to avoid it. And I've tried to avoid it for a long time. But a lie is a lie. And not calling out a lie is doing a disservice to the uh, to the nation, to your readers, to your listeners, to your viewers. So to that end, uh, after this speech, and I'm going to play a clip here. You can hear some of the music that uh, Donald Trump still plays, this uh, rolling stuff. You can't always get what you want at the end for some reason. Seems ironic, but he continues to play it at the end of his campaign rallies. Well, no one ever has ever accused him of being self-aware. And uh, so uh, this comes from uh, after an hour plus of Donald Trump going on with lie after lie after lie to the American people who he represents. Um, Don Lemon uh, offered his remarks and well, you know what? I'll 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 give you my thoughts on Don Lemon's remarks uh, afterwards. But here he is, uh, Don Lemon, after Donald Trump's campaign rally in Phoenix, Arizona. Well, what do you say to that? I'm just going to speak from the heart here. What we have witnessed was a total eclipse of the facts. Someone who came out on stage and lied directly to the American people and left things out that he said in an attempt to rewrite history, especially when it comes to Charlottesville. He's unhinged. It's embarrassing. And I don't mean for us, the media, because he went after us, but for the country. This is who we elected president of the United States, a man who is so petty that he has to go after people who he deems to be his enemy like an imaginary friend of a six-year-old his speech was without thought it was without reason it was devoid of facts it was devoid of wisdom there was no gravitas 
There was no sanity there. He was like a child blaming a sibling on something else. He did it. I didn't do it. He certainly opened up the race wound from Charlottesville. A man clearly wounded by the rational people who are abandoning him in droves, meaning those business people and the people in Washington now who are questioning his fitness for office and whether he is stable. A man backed into a corner, it seems, by circumstances beyond his control and beyond his understanding. That's the truth. If you watch that speech as an American, you had to be thinking, what in the world is going on? This is the person we elected as a president of the United States? This petty? This small? The person who's supposed to pull the country together? Certainly didn't happen there. That was Don Lemon. Good for Don Lemon on CNN uh, after uh, Trump finished that uh, unhinged rant on Tuesday night in Phoenix. Good for Don Lemon. Words that I thought I would never speak on this program or <laughs> anywhere else, to be frank. Yeah. And I've had, you know, I've, I've, I've had my own uh, run-ins with uh, Don Lemon over the years. I can't even remember what it was, but some years ago he called me. We had a, uh, we went back and forth for about an hour about something that he was just not getting, not understanding, not reporting uh, uh, properly. And uh, you can find it at bradblog.com. I think I wrote about it at the time. I can't even remember what it was. So I have never been impressed with Don Lemon. I continue to not be particularly impressed with him, but I think that he did the job of a journalist there in calling Donald Trump out. I'm not sure that uh, CNN did the job uh, th that they should have done in running this speech. I'm, you know, Lemon, I think it was, uh, said that uh, it was good that we ran this so people can see. Yeah, he this said, guy? so people can see this is how their president talks. This is who he really is. But I don't know <laughs> what kind of uh, actual impact it has. I don't think it convinced anybody who wasn't already convinced. And I'm not, yeah, I mean, so I'm not sure if, if they make the right decision by playing these things uh, unedited uh, live like that for an hour. He is the president of the United States, though, so it is a tough call. But I just wanted to say, you know what? Good for Don Lemon. He did the right thing there in uh, in calling out this uh, extraordinarily accomplished liar who has become president of the United States. And there are ramifications for this. Uh, a U.N. committee, according to Agence France Presse today, a U.N. Uh, committee tasked with combating racism has issued a formal Quote, early warning over conditions in the United States, which is a rare move often used to signal the potential of a looming civil conflict, AFP says. The U.N. Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination uh, has said that it had invoked its, quote, early warning and urgent action procedure because of the proliferation of racist demonstra demonstrations in the U.S. It specifically noted the unrest in Charlottesville, Virginia, in which a woman was killed after an avowed white supremacist plowed his car into a group of anti-racism counter-protesters. The U.N. committee urged Washington as well as, quote, high-level politicians and public officials. I wonder who they're talking about there, Des. To unequivocally and unconditionally reject and condemn racist hate speech, though they did not mention Donald Trump by name. Donald Trump spent more time defending Joe Arpaio last night than he did saying nice things, and, and, and Jeffrey Lord 
guy who was fired from CNN for using uh, Nazi, uh, for saying Sig Heil on Twitter, was a big defender of Donald Trump's. He spent more time defending those and saying nice people about Arpaio, who has been found guilty in a court of law for contempt. Jeffrey Law, a lord saying Sig Heil, more time on them than he did about Heather Heyer, the 32-year-old woman who was killed in Charlottesville, Virginia. The U.N. uh, committee uh, went on to say we are alarmed by the racist demonstrations with overtly racist slogans, chants and salutes by white nationalists, neo-Nazis and the Ku Klux Klan promoting white supremacy and inciting racial discrimination and hatred. According to the uh, head of the committee, Anastasia Crickley, in uh, in a statement, the committee monitors compliance with the International Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Racial Discrimination, which the U.S. ratified in 1994. This warning to the U.S. marks the seventh such alert that has been issued in the past decade, though I believe this is the first time that it has ever been issued to U.S., Normally, uh, these warnings are sent out to uh, countries gripped by ethnic and religious strife like Burundi, Nigeria, Iraq and Ivory Coast. But now uh, the U.S. is among uh, the group of (laughs) the group of countries that need to be warned uh, by the U.N. uh, in this early this formal early warning. Uh, Speaking of early warnings, uh, a State Department science envoy announced his resignation today, citing uh, Donald Trump's response to violence at that white nationalist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, and the president's attitude towards climate research. Donald Kamen, appointed in 2016 as one of the department's science envoys, with a focus on energy innovation in the Middle East and Africa, tweeted his resignation letter to Donald Trump. He said, your response to Charlottesville enables racism, sexism, and harms our country and planet. In the letter, Common uh, wrote that he decided to resign in response to Trump's attacks on core values of the United States. He wrote, your failure to condemn white supremacists and neo-Nazis has domestic and international ramifications. Well, yeah, there's one of them. We're now getting warnings from the U.N. Cameron wrote that Trump's decision to abdicate the leadership opportunities and the job creation benefits of the Paris Climate Accord, which Trump in June announced the U.S. would be abandoning and his behavior, quote, to undermine energy and environmental research are not acceptable. Acts and words matter. He wrote your actions to date have sadly harmed the quality of life in the United States, our standing abroad and the sustainability of of the planet. You'll recall that on uh, on Monday, I think it was, Des, uh, when Donald Trump disbanded his uh, presidential national climate assessment advisory, climate advisory committee. committee yes. yeah. Well, he announced that uh, he was disbanding them, but the members of the committee who were appointed by President Obama said that they plan to complete their r- report anyway in response to the national climate assessment that has now been completed by Scientists at 13 federal agencies finding that global temperatures have increased by nearly one and a half degrees Fahrenheit on average since the 1950s. That the consequences of man-made climate change is already being felt in every corner of the country. And uh, warning that uh, action must be taken immediately to curb human-created emission of man-made greenhouse gases that cause global warming or dire consequences, even more dire 
than those that we are already confronting due to the climate crisis across the nation and the planet, that those consequences await humanity in the not very distant future. The National Climate Assessment, uh, mandated by Congress every four years, now awaits final approval from the uh, from the White House, from the Trump administration. But but that advisory committee that Trump has tried to disband, they say they're going to stay on and continue their work nonetheless. Good for them. But that scientific advisory committee is not the only one that Donald Trump is trying to shut down. One, that uh, the folks of coal country, the direct victims of coal country, I should say, uh, have been trying to see convened for years and successfully had convened uh, last year, was this week shut down by the Trump administration at the National Academies of Sciences. That story with our friend Bob Kincaid from West Virginia is next. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. West Virginia coal gonna take you on a ride Gonna take you to the city, to the shore and countryside Gonna let you work your magic and your power and your pride West Virginia coal, you're on your way Oh, they're on their way when we go down deep through the dark today We come up with a light for America America Yes, that's the heroic way the West Virginia Coal Association apparently sees itself. That's a cell phone ringtone, believe it or not, that they made available a year or so ago. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Coal is West Virginia. Yes, it certainly is. Uh, that, no matter how many of the... Uh, West Virginia coal miners and their families are actually endangered and killed, by the way. West Virginia mines coal, never mind what it does to all of us and the entire planet when it is burned. Uh, despite the many gifts since taking office that Donald Trump has granted to the coal industry, which, as I say, is killing us, some of its coal baron CEOs are still saying that is not enough. And they claim, at least, to be hopping mad. At the, uh, at the Trump administration, according to AP this week, the Trump administration has rejected a coal industry push to win a rarely used emergency order protecting coal-fired power plants, a decision contrary to what one coal executive said the president personally promised him. The Energy Department says it is uh, says it considered issuing the order that was sought by companies seeking relief 
for plants it says are overburdened by environmental regulations and market stresses. That would be free market stresses that they are uh, running to the government to help save them from, apparently. You know, privatize the profits, socialize the losses. But the department, in this case, ultimately ruled that that request was unnecessary. The White House agreed, according to a spokesman. The decision, AP says, is a rare example of friction between the beleaguered coal industry and the president who has vowed to save it. It also highlights a pattern emerging as the administration crafts policy. The president's bold declarations, both public and private, are not always carried through to implementation. Oh, you don't say. President Trump committed to this measure in private conversations, apparently, uh, with uh, with executives from Murray Energy and First Energy Solutions after public events in July and in early August. According to the to the White House uh, from Murray Energy and its chief executive, Robert Murray, this was in letters obtained by the Associated Press in which Murray said failing to act would cause thousands of coal miners to be laid off and put the pensions of thousands more in jeopardy. One of Murray's letters said that Trump had agreed and told Energy, Rick Perry, I want this done. That in Murray's presence, apparently. So, uh, yeah, please, please have the taxpayers save us, Mr. Trump. We need socialism now. Apparently, the CEOs are conveniently saying while they and Trump are pretending that they believe in free market capitalism. They're trying to get these extraordinary measures to prevent what they say would be shutdowns of coal fired power plants. Well, uh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about those CEOs. They'll be okay. Uh, the Trump administration is still doing huge favors for the dirty coal industry despite the dangers that it poses to the very miners and their families that Trump pretends to love. According to yet another action uh, taken by his Interior Department this week, the uh, Trump administration officials told the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine to halt a review of the increased public health risks faced by Appalachian residents who live near mountaintop removal coal mining sites. This was revealed by the uh, the academies themselves in a statement issued on Monday, according to Ken Ward Jr. over at West Virginia's Charleston Gazette Mail. Word of the U.S. Department of the Interior's Office of Surface Mining Reclamation. Uh, word of that order was disclosed by the academies this week, just hours before the scientific panel conducting the study was scheduled to hear from Coalfield residents. At a public meeting Monday evening in the aptly named Hazard, Kentucky, Academy's spokesman William Kearney said in a statement that the OSM told the Academy's in a letter to cease all work on the mountaintop removal study. The letter indicated that the Interior Department had begun an agency-wide review of all grants and cooperative agreements in excess of $100,000, quote, largely as a result of the department's changing budget situation, the Academy said. Last year, the OSM committed to providing more than $1 million for this study in response to growing pressure from citizens groups and requests from the West Virginia Department of Environmental Protection and the State Bureau for Public Health. This was West Virginia itself asking for this study. 
uh, to understand other studies by experts at West Virginia University and other institutions finding increased risks of birth defects, cancer, other illnesses, and premature death among residents living near mountaintop removal sites in southern West Virginia and eastern Kentucky. Joining us to explain this now is our old friend to explain what's happening here once again in West Virginia is Bob Kincaid, co-founder of the Appalachian Communities Health Emergency Campaign. He's president of Coal River Mountain Watch. He's host and creator of the Head On Radio Network. Uh, and he is a longtime leader in the fight against mountaintop removal coal mining and the horrors that accompany it in West Virginia coal country. And uh, if his email to me on Monday of this week when this announcement was made, uh, if that's any indication, he's probably still mad as hell about what the Trump administration just did regarding all of this mountaintop removal and its serious health effects on those in Appalachian coal country. Welcome back to the broadcast, my friend. I'm still pretty hot, Brad. I figured you um, might be, Bob. Uh, I know you reached out. You wanted to, to rail on this, and I want to let you do exactly that. But I also, before I do that, uh, I don't know if you saw Donald Trump's comments last night in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, I did. Uh, his rather unhinged campaign rally. Uh, he had a word or two to say about beautiful clean coal and i want to play it here and and get some of your your thoughts on this before we get going on mountain okay, okay. Well, well before yeah. b- b- before you play it i just need to be clear yeah this is going to go out on terrestrial radio so i can't use the words i really want to use right that's correct that's okay, correct okay good yes uh control yourself mr kincaid here's donald trump last night we've ended the war on beautiful clean coal and it's just been announced that a second brand new coal mine where they're going to take out clean coal, meaning they're taking out coal, they're going to clean it, is opening in the state of Pennsylvania, the second one. <laughs> so they're going to take it out and clean it, Bob? Uh, yeah, they'll just they'll, they'll get the, those, you know, those Playtex gloves you buy at the grocery store and, <laughs> and, and a little toothbrush and, you know, every little lump. They'll just go, oh, it's, it's so clean. Oh. I'm soaking in it. No, really, you know, do you remember the Freedom Disaster, Brad? Uh, oh, yeah, the uh, the toxic, uh, what was it? Remind us of that. Uh, methylcyclohexane methanol. That's yeah. one of those big words we hillbillies got to learn. That's right. Yeah, that's what that's what they use to clean the coal. Uh-huh. And, and, and uh, back when that disaster occurred, as the West Virginia Coal Association tweeted, if it's good enough to clean coal, it's good enough to clean me. Uh, when, you know, 300,000 people got poisoned. That, when it uh, leaked into, was it the Ohio River? and uh, Elk. It, it, the, the, the Elk River and then into yep. the Kanawha and, and poisoned the water supply of 300,000 people who are now involuntary participants in a, you know, lifetime-long study to find out how much of that stuff you have to ingest before it does stuff like cause cancer. And it was, uh, was it days or, or, or weeks that uh, the drinking water was shut down because of that uh, accident just a few years ago? It was off, and it was on, it was on, and it was off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, and you know, it, it got all the way into people's, you know, water heaters and things like that. Mm. So, you know, the ultimate impact was weeks, months, you know. Uh, water, if you go to Charleston, it's still, you can still go into the grocery stores there and find that uh, the, the, the the bottled water it flies off, still flies off the shelves. Mm. 
Well, that's what you get from beautiful, clean coal, Bob Kincaid. Uh, all right, as someone, and, and, yeah. Well, and let's let's remember, Brad. I mean, I, I can't hear that phrase uh, without kicking furniture and 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 beginning to sound like Yosemite Sam. You know, black stag and not pole frazzlewack, <laughs> yes. and uh, because it, it it's it's an old old fraud. Uh, my friend Jeff Biggers, uh, I think, once found the earliest reference to clean coal in a coal company ad in a newspaper in Chicago in, like, 1920-something. Mm. That's how long they've been pitching this this fraud. Yep. It's like, I mean, clean DDT yeah. <laughs> or clean Zyklon B. Right. Okay? It, it's, it's, it's a complete misnomer. It's It's... A contradiction in terms, and the fact that, that, that the fact that that Donald Trump would use it, still uses it, just shows that he is either dumber than a lump of coal, or willingly participating in a giant lie. Now, me, I. I think it's both, but, you know, we can probably agree to disagree. Well, I, it's hard to disagree with you on either of those counts, Bob. Uh, listen, as as someone who has, frankly, heroically for years tried to bring the, the dangers of what is now going on out there, uh, more, more than uh, coal mining, you know, more than people going underground to dig coal, uh, now it's mountaintop removal coal mining. Uh, and as someone who has done, you know, for years worked to stop them from happening, what is going on now with this canceled study? Actually, before you tell me that, for people who don't understand, explain to listeners here what, for people who may not fully understand it or appreciate it, what is mountaintop removal coal mining? How does that actually work and how does that differ from, uh, you know, the way uh, many people around the country and the world think about, uh, about coal mining? Okay, so here's the quick version. There are seams of coal that are too small to get at through traditional mining methods. Mm -hmm. But just because the seams are small doesn't mean that they can't be sold and made a profit from. And it's not really mountaintop removal. It's mountain removal. Mm -hmm. Okay, because you take vast amounts of the same high explosives that, say, oh, Timothy McVeigh used to blow up the Murrah Federal Building, ammonium nitrate and fuel oil. You take vast amounts of that, and you drill holes in the mountain, and you pack it full of this stuff, and then you set it off. Huge clouds of dust then uh, boil off the, 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 the strip mine site and roll down into the, into the hollers and into the valleys and onto places where people live who then breathe it, and nothing in the human body can stop the dust. Okay, because it's so fine, mm. it's so tiny, and a lot of it is silica. And we all know how dangerous, I hope we do, how dangerous things like silica dust are. It causes something called silicosis in some instances, and is a, is, is a well-known uh, 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 carcinogen. Mm -hmm. Okay, so over the course of year, and, and what they do is they, they blow up the mountain, they scrape away all the stuff, uh, and, they, and they dump all the, uh, uh, the, the stuff that isn't coal, they dump it in the valley next door. And they fill up the valley and they bury streams. Now, they've done this to over 500 mountains. They've buried over 2,500 miles of streams. Now, folks listening say, you know, where you are might uh, be a little bit horrified at the idea of burying water forever. Yes. 
Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. We do that. That's what they do. So, uh, and 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 that causes poisons to run into the water, et cetera, et cetera. But let me un- let me make clear because yeah. a lot of people seem to be uh, uh, that we've we've paid so much attention to water and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But where mountaintop removal is concerned, the science indicates that the problem isn't the water. The problem is the dust. Mm-hmm. What you can't see can kill you because we've uh, these 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 studies. And, the, and, and over two dozen reports have shown that there are vastly elevated uh, rates of cancer, birth defects, genitourinary diseases, pulmonary diseases, heart diseases uh, in the areas where this dust falls. Okay, so the purpose of the of the National Academy of Science review that was under that was commissioned by the Office of Surface Mining during the, uh, during the Obama administration, and which is already paid for, the money's already gone, uh, that business about a, uh, continuing, uh, changing budget priorities was just a load of hogwash, all right? The money's, the money's spent. And, uh, so what they were going to do at the National Academy of Science is look at all these reports, including some bought-and-paid-for reports by the coal industry mm-hmm. that tried to say, no, 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 everything's fine. But it turns out it wasn't, you know, statistically valid, was bought and paid for, was biased, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They were going to review it all and try to say, and, 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 and say whether or not the science indicating the human health implications of mountaintop removal is valid. Is right. So, uh, so basically, they were uh, the, the national academies were going to take these studies that have already been completed by uh, many of them, uh, by West Virginia University researcher Michael Hendricks, I believe. Uh, really, dozens of studies finding uh, concerns about the health effects and have sort of a and, and I think they're already peer reviewed study, but they were going to do they sort are. of another peer review and sort of pull all, a, a study of studies, if you will. Uh, and and this was requested. Uh, am I right about that? And this was requested by West Virginia itself. No enemies of uh, of of coal mining uh, in the in the state of West Virginia. These were actually people who like coal, saying, uh, "Hey, tell us if these studies are right and if we should worry about it." Correct. Hey, correct. But there's a little bit more to it than that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You and I have talked in the past about the Appalachian Community's Health Emergency Campaign mm-hmm. and, the, and the ACE Act, the Appalachian Community's Health Emergency Act, which is the only bill ever introduced in Congress that would end mountaintop removal. Well, some grassroots activists, uh, myself included, mm-hmm. were involved in getting that bill introduced in Congress. And, uh, and, and then uh, an, another colleague of mine, um, a fellow named Bo Webb, put together uh, a, a, a big rally right smack dab in front of the West Virginia Department of Environmental Permitting, I mean protection, um, <laughs> and, we, and called it the People's Foot Rally. It is a direct result of, of grassroots pressure that was brought to bear on state government uh, at, at both the public health level and at the West Virginia Department of Environmental Protection level that led to them asking for this review from the Office of, uh, Office of Surface Mining, which they then commissioned out to the National Academies of Science, mm-hmm. Engineering, and Mathematics. That's how that happened. In other words, that doesn't happen without grassroots pressure, and there's been very little mention of the fact that that grassroots pressure is what brought this about. Grassroots pressure, grassroots activism really does work. 
Well, and I know that you guys have been uh, trying to bring that pressure for for years on this issue. You finally get this study. You say the money has already been uh, spent. Bill Price, a Sierra Club organizer in, in uh, southern West Virginia, said the uh, action by OSM here was infuriating, said Trump once again uh, has shown the people of Appalachia that we mean nothing to him. Uh, we talked about this a bit the the last time you were on a, a few weeks ago when you noted that uh, Trump's largest margin of victory, I think, in the country was in West Virginia. So I, I'm tempted to ask, why the disconnect here? Why do the, the people of West Virginia not understand how they apparently are being played for chumps here? I mean, this is not about, uh, you know, taking away their work. This is about taking a look at the direct health effects that it has on people all over the state. Why aren't they hopping mad about uh, cancer? And and by the way, where is your Republican-turned-Democrat-turned-Republican Governor Jim Justice on this? Where is the U.S. Senators Shelley Moore Capito and, and Joe Manchin on this? I would think they would be furious, frankly, at the uh, Trump administration for this. They are all three as silent as a graven image because they are all three quite happy about this. You see, there's, there, 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 there's, these studies, as you noted, are peer, were peer-reviewed in the first place. Uh-huh. So that means that there was already a determination that they were scientifically valid inquiries, which means that their, their, mm-hmm. uh, their results were scientifically valid. And so what, and, and, and whether it's Joe Manchin or Shelley Moore Capito or uh, uh, Jim Kunta Kinte Justice, um, <laughs> Jesus, that story. Uh, they, none of them, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like home on the range where never is heard a discouraging word and the coal dust isn't toxic all day. Uh, they, they, they don't want this because this was going to be, and, and, and it is my opinion based on having attended one of these open meetings last month in Washington, D.C. for a couple of days, uh-huh. it's my opinion, Brad, that the, 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 this, this panel was going to come to the conclusion they were going to say that more study needs to be done, okay, one. But two, or maybe one, maybe the first part, is that they were going to say that there does appear to be a scientific reason to be concerned about, what, uh, about the harm that mountaintop removal coal extraction does to people who live near it. And that would very well have created uh, a... a, 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 a a controversy and a storm that the coal industry could not have weathered. Well, I'm trying to figure out in the meantime how it is then, if all of that is true, all of that was certainly true last year when West Virginia, or or, uh, maybe 2015, I can't recall, but when West Virginia itself asked for this study to be done, was that uh, meant at the time uh, as as a delay tactic, as a hope that somehow this... Uh, study would find that all the previous studies were wrong. There, there seems to be this odd disconnect between what West Virginia the state officials are claiming that they want and what you are suggesting, Bob Kincaid, that they actually want. Well, they, they put themselves in a box. For one, uh, the West Virginia Department of Environmental Protection, mm-hmm. I have a hard time saying that, <laughs> uh, followed the lead of the Bureau of Public Health. Mm-hmm. And to the credit of Dr. Rahul Gupta, who is, I believe, an honorable man, he looked at this from, a, from, his, uh, from the aspect of his training in public health and said, 
yeah, this deserves to be looked at. And so when he said it deserved to be examined, that sort of left state government, uh, uh, the, the, the administration of uh, Governor Earl Ray Tomlin at the time, mm-hmm. uh, in a bind. Were they, were they going to try to shut up Dr. Gupta, or were they going to go along with this and hope that it would eventually just sort of disappear in the dim mists of time? And what happened is the National Academy of Sciences took their charge very, very seriously. And the panel was formed. The review started. Um, there's been there's been considerable work done. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the session that I attended in July in D.C., uh, I, I think they got the idea that they they got an idea, as I've suggested, of which way this body was going to uh, turn. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, then the kibosh had to be put on and so you know the the the, the usual suspects the uh the the people who run coal companies mm-hmm. uh, who knows maybe even my two senators maybe the maybe the three uh, uh the three members of the house of representatives all began to lean on uh representative ryan zinke uh and the trump administration to stop this this has to be stopped it has to be stopped so you get you wind up getting this uh this this downright un-american uh, suppression of science. I mean, this is, honest to God, Brad, I'm not kidding. This isn't American. We, we, we used to follow science. It, it's not always been this way. This, this suppression is the kind of stuff they do in North Korea or the old Soviet Union. Bob, uh, it's also un-American in that it uh, mountaintop removal actually eliminates coal jobs uh, at the same time, correct? Because this is automated. It's a lot easier to blow the hell out of a mountain and grab the coal than it is to send folks underground. Uh, uh, Ten ten people working with a bunch of heavy machinery can take down 5,000 acres in five years. That's the that's the the, the, the round number that we we talk about. That's the so that's you're not. You're not paying many people there. Nope. Uh, and, uh, and, and that and the competition from the much cleaner, in any event, uh, natural gas is what is uh, doing in, uh, in coal. It's not some war on imaginary war on coal that Donald Trump thinks is now over. Uh, Bob, I've got just a second or two here left, but the, uh, the National Academies, you mentioned that they were their work was well underway. They had held something like five meetings since March. Uh, and said that they're going to hold their scheduled panels anyway. So do you suspect, like the uh, Climate Assessment Advisory Board uh, that we saw earlier this week, Trump had tried to disband them. They said, no, we're going to do our report anyway. Uh, do you think we'll see the same thing from the from the National Academies of Science here, that they're going to move forward with this thing, whether uh, the uh, Energy Department has tried to stop them or not? Uh, I hope so, and let me add one more thing, yeah. since time is short. Uh, the Sierra Club has something called a Beyond Coal campaign that they founded with an initial grant of $50 million from Michael Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. I can think of no better use of that money than, to, than, 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 than for the head of the Sierra Club, Michael Brune, to stand up and say, I have a Sierra Club check for $1 million here to make up for any money that the Trump administration mm-hmm. took away from the National Academy of Sciences, and we are willing to fund the remainder of the work. 
I hope they will do exactly that. Uh, Bob, I know this has been, and I think actually, in truth, I'm going to try to find something positive here. This has been a years-long effort. As you said, it, it, was, uh, it took a long grassroots fight to even get us to the point where this uh, study got underway. I think there are steps forward and obviously steps back here, but I think that uh, your work for all of these years uh, on the air at Coal River Mountain Watch, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we are moving in the right direction, Bob. I, I, it's, you know, there's setbacks here, but I don't want it to discourage uh, uh, the grassroots fight here because I no, think no, no. you and guys are we, winning ultimately here. I hope we are. It, it may be one of those things where you don't, where you only get to look over Jordan. You don't get to cross it. But please, if I may, yep. everybody within the sound of your voice and mine, reach out to your member of the House of Representatives. Tell them you want them to sign on as a co-sponsor of the Appalachian Communities Health Emergency Act, the ACE Act, and then call your senators in California. Call uh, call Diane Feinstein and call Kamala Harris and tell them you want the ACE Act introduced in the United States Senate now. That's the Appalachian Communities Health Emergency Act. You can call your uh, your congressmen or your senators at 202-224-3121. Uh, it is uh, the grassroots that are going to save us, at least if we are going to be saved at all. Uh, and uh, heroes like Bob Kincaid, our friend. You can check out his work, of course, uh, on air at headonradionetwork.com. You can follow him on the Twitters at Bob Kincaid. And uh, get much more on all of this at Coal River Mountain Watch. Uh, where he is uh, the president there, I believe, of Cold River Mountain Watch at crmw.net. Bob, thank you, and uh, feel free to give us a shout anytime you uh, you become hopping mad. Uh, I, as soon as I quit hopping, I will. Thanks, Brad. <laughs> thank you, brother. Cold is West Virginia. Cold is me and you. Cold is West Virginia. We got a job. Cold is energy. Idiots. Quick break, and we're back with another punch or two in the face. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence, because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. <laughs> Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I know I promised a uh, couple more punches in the face, but actually some good news broke here oh, during yay. the break. So there's that. Uh, this from AP, and I don't have more details for the moment other than this, but a federal judge has once again thrown out Texas's photo ID law in the latest court defeat for state Republican lawmakers <laughs> over voting rights. Oh, my goodness. Again, wow. been thrown out. U.S. Uh, good news for uh, for voters. 
U.S. District Judge Nelva Gonzalez-Ramos on Wednesday rejected a weakened version of the law signed by Republican Governor Greg Abbott earlier this year. Texas has made the changes, uh, had made the changes after the same judge compared the original version version to a poll tax on minorities. This law by Texas, they have been trying to do this now for, by my count, at least six years, at least. Uh, Every time it comes to court, it is rejected. It is found to be racially discriminatory, disenfranchising racial minorities disproportionately. And intentionally so. And intentionally so, time and time again, every single time. Republican Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. Hey, hasn't he wasn't he indicted for fraud? He's still indicted. He's still under indictment. Yeah. Yeah. Republican Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, the indicted uh, Ken Paxton, called the ruling, quote, outrageous and said an appeals court should void the ruling. Of course, the uh, most uh, conservative appeals court in the nation has already approved of her previous rulings. They had some issues uh, that they uh, sent back down to her, and that's what this case was meant to hear. Um, some of those remaining issues that the conservative, what is it, the Fifth Court of yes, Appeals the Fifth in Circuit Texas? Yes, Court of Appeals. Yeah. Um, so uh, an appeals court uh, should void the ruling, said the uh, Texas AG. Of course, since Trump has taken office this year, the U.S. Department of Justice has flip-flopped. It had been fighting against this law for many years. But once Attorney General Jeff Sessions came in, they flip-flopped. They said, oh, no, this law is fine after all. We're, we're cool with it. A separate federal court earlier this month also found racial gerrymandering in Texas's congressional maps and ordered voting districts to be partially withdrawn. And I should add, intentionally found racial they they found intentional racial gerrymandering uh, in those in those Texas maps. So time and time again, Texas has been found to have been purposely using racial measures to discriminate against its own voters of color, Hispanic voters, black voters. Uh, this has happened time and time again. They It used to be such that uh, under the Voting Rights Act, they were required to get preclearance for these type of laws from the uh, federal government because Texas has such a long history of racial discrimination at the polling place. But in 2013, when the uh, Supreme Court did away with that section Uh, of the uh, Voting Rights Act that allowed Texas to go ahead and pass these laws. And it's only after they're put in place that folks have to go to court and fight to undo them. And there is a provision in the Voting Rights Act that is still in there that allows states like Texas, allows repeated offenders like Texas to be bailed back in to the uh, preclearance requirement of the Voting Rights Act. So it is high time Texas is bailed back into that requirement. They would become the uh, the first state in the nation, I believe, to be bailed back in. Yeah, and you, it's high time that, that maybe Texans should complain that their attorney general is continuing to bring these same cases over and over and over again. This costs millions of dollars. In taxpayer dollars. Exactly. Yep. Uh, okay, one more before we get out here. Uh, you know, for years, uh, Desi, we've been uh, talking, you know, people used to make fun of electric cars. Oh, they're slow. We, they run out of power. We don't want them. 
Uh, quick story here. Two top-shelf Tesla cars both beat a Lamborghini Aventad... How is this? Uh, uh, Aventador, I guess is the way you say it. <laughs> a Lamborghini... <laughs> Uh, that uh, more could that cost more than half a million dollars. Two Tesla cars continue to prove the technical advantages of high-end electric motors in acceleration. A Model X and a Model S both um, edged out this Lamborghini in a quarter-mile drag race held by uh, <laughs> this uh, company, Drag Times. Oh my goodness! Because you know the Model X is an SUV. Yes, an SUV. <laughs> Beat a sports car. Beat a, a really expensive five hundred and thirty thousand dollar Aventador made by Lamborghini was destroyed, was shredded, was smoked by an SUV made by Tesla. Uh, so uh, in, in CNBC in covering this says it is important to point out that internal combustion engines in some high-end cars can outperform Tesla's at high speeds. Really? Why is that important to point out? <laughs> uh, a, don't know if it's true or not. B, it's important to point out because it's CNBC and yeah. God forbid... They should acknowledge anything might be good about a car that does not run on fossil fuels. Yeah. CNBC is is so desperate for that. For the record, the uh, the Tesla Model X cost one hundred and sixty five thousand dollars compared compared with the Lamborghini that cost five hundred and thirty thousand dollars, according to Drag Times. <laughs> Love it. Keep up the good work. Uh, Mr. Musk and uh, get those Model 3s out soon will you please alright uh, my thanks to our producer Desi Doyen to my guest today Bob Kincaid of the Appalachian Communities Health Emergency Campaign you can get more on that at Coal River Mountain Watch which is crmw.net if you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com, though we thank those of you who uh, actively uh, continue to help the broadcast stay on your public airwaves and do what we try to do every day here by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you in advance. You can drop me email if you prefer. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. Find us follow us and share us worldwide until we meet again which better be tomorrow i'm brad friedman good luck world